0: Turn to John chapter 2, that's where we're going to be at today. We're starting a brand new series uh, called The Master of the Miraculous, and we're going to take the next four or five weeks, and we're going to look at some of the miracles that Jesus performed in the Bible, and we're going to talk about how they apply to us today, what they mean to us today, and and, and, and the fact that if it happened then, it could happen again. How many of you believe that? How many, like, legit believe that if it happened in the Bible, it can happen today? We should, because Jesus Christ said he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God said, I, the Lord, do not change. And so, if he did it then, he can do it today. And we're going to spend, again, four or five weeks. We're going to look at that. We're going to see what it is. This should be um, a really cool series. It should be challenging. It should be a lot of fun. This series, (laughs) this sounds crazy, but this series is going to roll us into the Christmas series. Isn't Isn't that crazy? Like, isn't that, like, this year has just flown by. There are nine weeks until our Christmas services. And uh, I'm just throwing this out here uh, for Brenda. Uh, there are 21 weeks until Easter services. And so, like, isn't that, isn't that crazy to think about how, how fast time flies? And so, we're going we're gonna to look at these things, and we're going to roll out, finish out this year with those two series. Anyway, um, since this is my first time, back in a while and and thank you thank you to everybody that stood up here and filled in for me while i was going through this foot surgery and all the trials and everything else that came with that and all the for all your prayers and and all of that like thank you thank you thank you thank you so much um but since this is my first time back i want to i want to start out today talking about first like i have a few questions for you um, and you gotta be honest, cause you're in church. You always gotta be honest in church. We'll talk about that a few times this morning. Um, but you gotta be honest, cause this really sets the tone for where we're going in the message. So, talk about first. How many of you remember? Let's start out with this one. How many of you remember your first kiss? How many? How many remember that? First kiss. Remember that? It was probably super awkward. In the coat room, at the skating rink. Anybody? No, probably not. It's awkward, but it was amazing at the same time, right? My last first kiss is my last first kiss. But we remember the first of certain things. You remember your first kiss? You remember your first boyfriend? Your first girlfriend? First, how about this one? First car. How many remember the first car? That's just about everybody except for those of you who have never had a car. Um, some of us had great experiences with our first car. Some of us, not so great experiences. Um, that is my first car right there. It's a 1988 Yugo. That the Brownsburg Police Department, the town I lived in, confiscated from a drug dealer, and that became my car. Rolling around selling drugs out of a Yugo. I guess no one's going to suspect it, I guess. Um, But that was my first car, so I was in the not-so-great category. But we remember our first, right? A lot of firsts. First time you ever went on vacation. Remember the first time you ever saw the mountains, if you've seen the mountains, how breathtaking they were? Remember remember the first time, if you've seen the ocean, the first time you saw the ocean and you looked at the power and just how awesome and incredible and big and huge and vast it was? Remember the first time you flew on an airplane? Remember the first Bordenero steak? Remember that? Yeah, that one got you. Lots of firsts. Well, today, we're, we could talk about first all morning long, but I want to talk about the first miracle that Jesus performed, which happens to be his most controversial miracle. Anybody want to guess which miracle we're going to talk about? Water to wine. That's right. Now now here's what's interesting about this controversy. Like, most of Jesus' miracles, if not all of his miracles, were controversial at the time. Like there was one time he touched a dead guy and brought him back to life. You weren't supposed to do that. You weren't supposed to touch dead people in that society. It made you unclean. He touched the leper one time. Same thing. You weren't supposed to touch the lepers because they were unclean, and it caused you to be unclean. He healed a blind guy on the Sabbath. In fact, he did a lot of miracles on the Sabbath, and you weren't supposed to do anything on the Sabbath. You weren't supposed to work. You weren't supposed to move. You weren't supposed to do anything on the Sabbath. The God, God said in his commandments, it was a day of rest, and these guys put commandments on top of commandments or laws on top of commandments so they wouldn't break anything or even get close to doing it, and so you do didn't work on the Sabbath but Jesus did it and it was controversial and, and, and those things and we could list out a bunch of those those things we don't fight about them today like nobody's fighting about the fact well I don't know if Jesus touched a, touched the dead guy I'm not sure if he did that I'm not sure that Jesus really healed on the Sabbath. I mean, I'm going to have to go into the Hebrew, and I'm going to have to pull out the Greek, and I'm going to have to really exegete that, and I've got to diagram it out, and I don't know, man. It was probably Friday, and they thought maybe the hour had changed, and so maybe they did this. Like, we don't fight about those things. But water to wine? Man, the Baptists have been ticked out for this one for years. Now, if Jesus had turned water into little Debbie's, My lips have never touched alcohol, brother. Well, you've never turned down a biscuit either, fatty. Like, another message for another time, but... Isn't it funny how people love to pick on the sins of others, but we don't recognize the ones in the mirror? That's probably another message for another time, too. Today, stay focused, Ryan. Today is water into wine. Well, there's several reasons that I believe that Jesus did this one first. And the meta- metaphor here is incredibly powerful. I'm going to talk about it at the end of the message. So you've got to stay with me. You've got to pay attention. I've got to set all of it up just to make one big statement at the end. Because listen to me. Jesus didn't do this miracle so that we could fight about it 2,000 years later. Jesus did this miracle so he could show us what he ultimately wants to do in us, through us, and for us. And there are some absolutely mind-blowing things in this text. I can't talk about all of it this morning, so I'm going to pick and choose some things that we can really focus on. But it starts out John chapter 2, verse 1, like this. The next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. Who is that? Who? So Mary's there. Yes or no? So this is Mary. Jesus, this is Jesus' mother, Mary. There's, there's no confusing that at all. Because some people say that there's, that's not her. All right. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. Now, let me tell you something about weddings. There are only two things that matter at a wedding if you're not getting married. If you're the one getting married, there are a few more. Uh, if, if you're a dude, just a few more. If if you're the girl, it's like a gazillion more. But for the guest at your wedding, only two things. You, you know what they are? What is the bride wearing and when do we eat? That's it. That's all they care about. You spend all of this time stressing about having the perfect day and all your guests care about is, yep, she looks good, let's eat. Like, that. that's it. And then you leave and go home. But weddings... In the time of Jesus, they were legit parties. Like, they were huge celebrations. One of the things that the nation of Israel knew how to do really, really, really well was celebrate. Now, we don't typically put celebrate and Christianity together. Like, those are two words that we don't see typically side by side, right? They're, they're like, like an oxymoron. You know what that is? Like, like jumbo shrimp, right? Like, that's, that's weird. Pretty ugly. Why do people say that? Pretty ugly. Huge midgets. What is that? Iowa national champions. Like, like those are things that you would never put together, right? And, and my my experience is, welcome back, Ryan. It's been great. My experience is, is that we don't put Christianity and celebration together. But if you read through the Old Testament, God told the nation of Israel seven times a year seven times a year, shut the entire nation down and celebrate for a week, a week. I can, I can get on board with that, God. Amen? God said, celebrate. That's what he said. God said, I want you to celebrate. Now, <laughs> I hear people from time to time, I get done preaching, and I'll go out, and I'll stand by the little window, kitchen whatever that thing is, and tell you, hey, have a great week, God bless you, thanks for coming, do all that, and, and I'll see people who have walked in, and as they're leaving, they'll say things like this, felt more like a concert than it did church, and I'm always like, awesome, because you know what people do at concerts? They celebrate! They have a good time. I think the church should be a place of celebration. Amen? You know why I think that? You want to know why I really think that? Because heaven. How do you read about heaven? When you read about heaven, how do you read about heaven? I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says it's a place of celebration. We're going to clap. We're going to sing. We're going to dance. We're going to enjoy it. It's not going to be something where somebody's going to stand there and say, I don't know if I like this place or not. Well, there is an alternative. There is. It's a celebration. So they've got this wedding, and they're celebrating. Some weddings, they would last anywhere between three days and a week. It was a party. Now, Here's the thing that blows my mind. If you've ever thrown a party, you've got a list, yes or no? You've got a list, people you want to come, yes or no? But you don't just have a list, you've got two lists. Come on, don't lie in church now. you got the list of people you want to come, and then you got the list of people you hope don't never come. Am I right? I know I'm right. Now, some people, you're sitting there like... I don't know about the second list. That's because you're on a lot of second lists. I'm just being honest with you. I'm just telling you the truth this morning. So you make a list. And the people you want to come are the fun people, right? I like fun people. I like happy people. I want to hang out with happy people. Pastor Ryan, can we go to dinner? No! Because you're miserable. I don't want to go with you because you're not happy. I want to be happy. So you want to invite happy people. Now, I'm going to be 100% honest with you. The Jesus that I grew up with, the Jesus that people told me about, the G- if cards on the table, the Jesus I learned about in Bible college, if I'm making a list, if I'm inviting people to the party, that Jesus isn't on it, right? Right? I know some of you are like, jesus would always be on my list not the jesus i grew up with because the jesus i grew up with would have shown up in the middle of the party and been like huh ryan come here interesting choice of music what is that eminem guess he's back back again did, did he just cuss in that song ryan what are you doing oh, what is that what what, what is he doing what is, what is, what's going on there, Ryan? Oh, that's a dance, Jesus. What, what, what kind of, what do, you, what do you call that dance? It's a twerk, Jesus. Oh, he's going to hell. Frank, Frank, come here, man. Frank, buddy, come, come, Frank, what are you drinking, huh? How many drinks is that, Frank? Like, that's the Jesus I grew up with. Sound familiar to anybody who grew up in church? Come on, be honest. Here's the thing I want to point out, though. There was something about Jesus that people loved. There was something about Jesus that people were drawn to. There was something about Jesus that was so special, he got invited to the party. He made the list. And and to the person who says, well, Ryan, I'm not so sure. No, back in the day, there was something about him. I, I heard this said years ago, and I've said this a bunch in this church, but it's worth repeating here. The people that were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus. And Jesus liked the people who were nothing like him. Did you know that? Back then, the people that were nothing like Jesus, like Jesus, and Jesus liked the people who were nothing like him. And so there's this big celebration, this big party, Jesus gets an invite, which is a great reminder to me that Jesus And celebration go hand in hand. That Jesus really does want his people. He wants us to be filled with joy. He wants us to actually experience celebration. And if there's a section of your life, or maybe your life isn't experiencing celebration, maybe you need to throw out an invitation to Jesus to that area of your life. Because Jesus will turn condemnation into celebration like that. Condemnation into celebration just like that. So Jesus is showing up at the party, and everybody's having a great time until verse 3. The wine supply ran out during the festivities. So the wine ran out during the party. So Jesus' mother, who is that? So Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Now, as I was preparing this message... I was dancing around this part a lot. I talked to some people, and they said, don't do it. Don't talk about it. Don't say the things you're going to say. I talked to some other people, and they're like, yeah, man, you should really say that. And so I was like, heck with it. I'm just going to go with it. And listen, this is the reason why. This is the reason why I danced around it. Because we live in a society where too many people use the word triggered, Listen, there, there are people, you're legitimately triggered by things. But today, everybody's triggered by everything. Oh my gosh, I'm so triggered. You're not triggered. You're a brat. You're spoiled. Shut up. It's traffic. Everybody cusses. Get over it, all right? And so today, I'm not trying to trigger anybody. But I'm going to speak to you honestly. Like, I'm always going to be honest to you. I'm always going to speak the truth in this church. If you want somebody to sugarcoat something, you should have grabbed a donut on your way in, all right? But I'm going to be honest, and because I'm going to be honest, I expect an honest response from you. If you're at dinner, and you happen to be eating your food, and you happen to be drinking wine. If you happen to have some wine with dinner, and you have a glass or two, Or three, or seven, or eight. Question, be honest. Does it make your heart happy, yes or no? Some people say, yes, yes it does, but I don't want to say it out loud in church. Now I get it, I get it, I get it. I'm triggered by the whole alcohol thing, Ryan. I get get that more than most people. I really do, I get it. But it's right here in the text, and it's in Jesus' very first miracle. And they're drinking, they're drinking wine, and now you've got the wine running out. And in this culture, in this society, in this time period, this was a really big deal. If you invited people to your party, you were expected to provide for the people for the entirety of the celebration. And so when you ran out of wine, when you ran out, it brought upon guilt and shame and it brought condemnation. Your name was going to be mud in the community for who knows how long. This was a serious, serious, serious situation if you ran out of wine. Now, the rabbis back in the day, they connected wine and joy, wine and joy together. In fact, Psalm 104 verse 5 says, wine to gladden the heart of man. And as I said earlier, if you've ever had a few glasses of wine with a meal, it's not hard to connect wine and joy. It just happens. So you could almost, you could almost look at this text and say, the joy ran out. They're having a party. Everything's going great. All of a sudden, something happens, and the joy is gone. Now, in life, that's happened to some of us. Life is going great. Life is awesome. You've got all of this joy, and then the doctor called. Your mom called. You lost your job. You started battling with anxiety and depression. Like, you've never fought with those things in your entire life, but something happened. Like, like, listen, here... We don't know what happened. We don't know if the wine supply ran out because these people were poor party planners. We don't know if someone was stealing the wine, like the teenagers are sneaking up from the basement and grabbing stuff and going back downstairs. We, we don't know what happened. We don't know why it happened. We don't know how it happened. And if you've experienced something in the past several months or the past year that's robbed you of joy, listen, maybe it was your fault. Maybe it wasn't your fault. I'm not here to point fingers. I'm just here to say, if you're in this room or you're watching online and you somehow have ran out of joy, legitimate, genuine joy, then we need to do what Jesus' mom did. She took the problem to Jesus. If you have no joy, that's the dashboard light saying, Hey, you need to turn some things over to Jesus. At least that's how it's been every single time I've experienced it. And so Mary goes up to Jesus and she's like, Hey, people are upset. They're no more joy. They ran out. Now, Jesus' response is something that I wish I could spend the rest of the time talking about because I, I love this. In verse 4, th- this is what he says Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. Now, I'm using the NLT. I've been, I've been studying through that. I've been using that in my sermons um, for the last, I don't know, about year or so. Now, most translations, like the NLT being nice, most translations say this. One explanation point. That's not our problem. My time has not yet come. Now, guys. Let's just talk to guys for a second. Let's roll back to our teenage years. Let's say teenage you had just finished dinner and you're going to go into the living room. You're going to watch TV, play a little PlayStation, Xbox, or whatever. And your mom walks in and says, hey, sweetie, I need you to clean the table and put the dishwashers away. And your response was, woman! By the, by the, that's, that's as far as I would have got. Like, seriously. Woman, my time has not yet come. Boy, your time has come right now. Taking off her shoe, whooping me with it. Like, that would be it. Well, right here, <laughs> Jesus, So if you study this out, Jesus isn't disrespecting his mom these are the same words, dear woman, the same w- words, like I'm not going to say that out of frustration to any lady, but these are the words he used from the cross. In John 19, he looks at her and he says, dear woman, this is your son. So I wanted to point that out because in the text. I think it's fun. But anyway, she doesn't respond to him. The first five, she, d- she doesn't say anything at all. She doesn't even acknowledge that he spoke to her. Verse five, but his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Don't miss this. His mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Mary told the servants, do whatever he tells you. This is the best life advice I could ever give you. Mary looks at them and says, hey. You do whatever he tells you to do. Do you know these are the only instructions that Mary ever gives anywhere in scriptures, anywhere in the Bible. I don't care what you take and you add to it. I don't care what outside books have been written about she says this or she does this. These are the only instructions that she ever gives. And it's the best life advice I could ever offer you. When it comes to doing things in life, when it comes to living, when it comes to following Jesus, just do whatever he tells you to do. Now, here's what I wish I could say. I wish I could tell you this is always easy. I wish I could tell you that that is always simple. I wish that I could tell you if you would just do what Jesus told you to do, you'd always be happy in the moment and there'd be rainbows and puppy dogs and balloons and Snickers and you'd be pooping Skittles. I can't tell you that. I mean, I could, but I'd be lying. Because listen to me. If you're battling with Jesus, if Jesus is saying, hey, you need to do this, you're saying, no, no, Jesus, I'm not gonna do that because I don't know how that's gonna turn out. Jesus, I don't know this person. Jesus, I'm not gonna go there. I don't know the results. I don't, I don't know what's gonna happen. Listen to me. He is never going to give you that information, ever. And so the best thing I can tell you Is that if Jesus says stop doing something, stop doing it. If he tells you to start doing something, start doing it. That's the best. People ask me all the time, Ryan, what's the the best pastoral advice you got? That's it. Do whatever he tells you. Because on the other end of obedience is a miracle. On the other end of obedience is a miracle that will absolutely blow your mind. And I'll say this. And listen, you might not agree with this, but that's okay. Many times... The reason we don't see miracles say, because people will say, and we'll talk about this in a series, people say all the time, why don't we see miracles today like they were in the Bible? The reason we don't see them all too often is because we put a stop to it, and we say, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not going there. And we miss the miracle. Do whatever he tells you to do. Now, this is where it gets a little crazy. Verse 6, standing nearby were six stone water jars. How many? Six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Listen, I'm not great at math, but if there are six jars that hold 20 to 30 gallons, that means Jesus made how much wine? A lot, right? Between 120 and 180 gallons. Is that a lot? Yes or no? Yes, yes. Uh-huh. Here's the thing. Jesus has immeasurably more for you than you could ever imagine. He's not the God of a little bit. He's not the Jesus of a dab of blessing. When Jesus blesses you, you will know it. Dude, you made 180 gallons of wine? Sweet. We can hang out. We can be friends. Now, let me back up. How many, how many were there? How many? Six. The number six. I've told you this before. But six is the number in the Bible. What, what's six the number of? incompletion, right? It's man's number. It's incomplete. Now, I don't know about you. I'm just kind of curious. When it comes to spirituality, have you ever felt like you're just an incomplete person? That, that would be me. I know I'm incomplete. I, listen to me. I am the last person that should be standing up here preaching to you. Like, like, have you ever met somebody and, and you have thought, like, you're doing good spiritually and then you meet somebody that's doing really, really good and, and you look at them and you're like, God, I suck. Like, I feel like I'm incomplete. L- listen, I'm the pastor of this church. I know that I should read my Bible more. I know I should pray more. I know I should listen to more worship music, but I don't do it. And I feel incomplete. I feel like there's still a lot of work left to be done inside of me. Anybody feel like that? Anybody with me? You feel like there's a lot of work? If that's not you, thank you for being here today, Jesus. It's great to have you. The rest of us, we're incomplete. Here's what's also interesting. These jars, because of how they were used, they were unclean. Anybody feel spiritually unclean? Listen to me. I know I am not where I need to be in my walk with Jesus. And if you're honest, there are some people here today, if you're honest, you'll have to admit, when it comes to spirituality, when it comes to being a Christian, when it comes to walking with God, when it comes to following Jesus, you feel incomplete and unclean. But here's the beauty of this text. Jesus used incomplete, unclean vessels for the miracle. In fact, if it hadn't been for incomplete, unclean vessels, the miracle doesn't happen. Translate that to us today. When it comes to people, Jesus only uses incomplete, unclean people because incomplete, unclean people is all there are. And so if you're here and you feel incomplete and unclean, congratulations, you're the candidate for a miracle. Isn't that awesome? Or I'm the only one that gets excited about this. Verse 7. Jesus told the servants. Told who? All right, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. Now, when I first started reading the Bible, I did what most of us do. We read the Bible through 21st century mindset. And so when we read or we read or we see, fill the jars, I thought, ah, that's easy. You go to the sink, you fill them up. You go outside, you fill up with a hose. It might taste a little funky, but that's what you do. You just fill up like that. But in this time period, in this culture, they didn't have a sink. They didn't have the faucet. They didn't have a hose outside. They had to go to a well. Now, I don't know if this well is in the backyard I don't know if it's three houses down. I don't know if it's a half mile away. But this is what I know. Can you imagine drawing 120 to 180 gallons of water from a well? Can you imagine doing that? you got to take the bucket. you got to put it in. you got to lower it down. you got to find the water. you got to pull it back up. you got to pour it into the little vessel. If some pours out, you get mad. Can we say, can we all agree that this took a long time, yes or no? In other words... It was a process, right? The miracle, most of the time, not all of the time. In fact, next week, I'll show you an exception. But most of the time, the miracle is on the other side of a process. Walking with Jesus is a process. I don't like that. I don't like that at all, but it's the truth. Walking with Jesus is a process. Experiencing miracles and immeasurably more as a process. And again, the reason so many times we miss the miracle is we say no to the process because we, we live in America and we want it here and we want it now and we want it our way. Am I right? Like seriously, we're used to standing next to the microwave and screaming, hurry up and opening the door three seconds. So that's how impatient we are. When our phone switches from Wi-Fi to data, we lose our flipping minds. Like we want things to happen so quickly. But the miracle is in the process. God works miracles through a process. So when he says, hey, go fill up these six jars, that's gonna take some time. That's gonna take some patience. And and listen, the miracle, the breakthrough we need, it, it might not happen in our time, but it'll always happen in his time. And when the miracle shows up, we won't be able to deny it. And so don't shortcut yourself by saying no to the process. Do not shortcut yourself by, some of you need to hear this today. Some of you need to write this down. Some of you need to remember this. Do not shortcut yourself by saying no to the process. You're in the middle of a process. You're closer to a breakthrough than you could ever possibly imagine. You're going to see things that are absolutely going to blow your mind. Don't give up. Keep fighting through the process. Keep listening to Jesus and do what he says. So he talks to the servants. And he tells them, hey, there's a process. And by the way, again, I'll talk about this in a second. I love the fact that he doesn't tell anybody else. Just the servants. Watch this. He told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, so they completed the task. They filled the jars. Watch this. He said, now dip some out. Take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. They did what he told them to do. Now, did the servants understand everything that was going on in the moment? No, they, they, they didn't. Get some water. This was probably their attitude. All right, go get some water. Man, that sucked. Here it is. Jesus took us a long time, but we got all filled up. Take some to the master of ceremonies. What? I'm t- you ever asked me to do his stuff Jesus why can't you take some to the master like isn't that our attitude sometimes don't we complain when we're trying to be obedient All right, fine fine God I'll do it I'll go to church you go to church for two weeks listen if you've blown up your life for 25 years it's going to take more than two weeks to get back on track amen it's a process and so Jesus don't don't miss this is beautiful what Jesus said alright hey what you've done in private, now it's time to take it public. Jesus said, what, I, what I've been telling you to do over here in private, now it's time to get out of the walls. Now it's time to get out. Now it's time to go out and show everybody. See, one of the things I get told a lot is, well, my faith is my own private issue and it's nobody else's business. Bullcrap. Christianity is a personal issue, absolutely, but it's not a private one. It's not our personal, private little faith that we get to hold on to. And oh, my precious, like that that's not it. Jesus called us to go out into the world. Jesus called us to be light into the dark. This is what's blown my mind over the past several weeks. People have complained to me and people have like said, and, and they're worried and they're, freaking out about everything going on in israel and school shootings and the main shooting and all of this other stuff and i've been to ryan the world's going crazy the world is so dark the world is becoming such a dark place and i'm like that's freaking awesome because jesus told us we're the light of the world so the lighter that the darker the world gets the lighter the church can become the brighter we can come and and we show people who jesus is listen to me you put your hope in the government. You put your hope in all these other things. How does that go? The church of Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. So when the world goes dark, we get to be light. That's good news. Amen? So Jesus said, hey, you need to go public. You need to get out there. You need to show everybody. By the way, I want to emphasize this. For some people, for you... Going public is being baptized. You've prayed to receive Jesus, and and you're saying, I'm just going to keep it to myself. I know there's change going on inside of me, but I'm going to keep this to myself. Jesus, listen to me. Jesus did not die on a cross. He did not hang naked and bleeding for six hours so you could sit and feel comfortable and keep your faith private and not go public for him. December 3rd, that's our last baptism date for the year. Let's get it done. Get it done. Take it public. The servants... Follow the instructions. Probably complain a little bit because that's what we do. But verse 9, when the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though, of course, the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. Now, I want to point this out. Don't, Don't miss this. Only the servants got to see the miracle. Everybody else at the wedding, completely clueless. Only the servants got to see the miracle. They're the only ones that knew what was going on. The reason I need to say this and the reason I need to pause and point this out is because I want to say thank you to everybody who serves and volunteers here at Central each and every week. You servers stepping up, volunteering at things like Trunk or Treat, no matter how cold it was, you stepped up, you showed up, it was awesome, it was great. You get to see miracles. Only the servants get to see the miracles. See, when we begin to serve and we begin to do what Jesus says, we get to see miracles, not just in our own lives, but in the lives of others. And I love celebrating the miracles in the lives of other people. So thank you. If you're serving, you're volunteering, thank you. If you're not serving, let's go. Let's go. Listen to me. You will never become, ever, you will never become who God has called and created you to be apart from serving. He has gifted you. He has put at least one spiritual gift in every single one of you. And it's not for you to hold on to, for you. It's for you to edify the body of Christ in the context of a local church. You need to serve let's go. Now, let me get back into the text. This, this here, this next part, this is just for the people who are going to argue and say this wasn't real wine. I had a guy, when I was asking questions about preaching this message and going through things, I had a guy tell me. And I've heard this tons. Well, they didn't know how to make real wine back in those times. Hold on. Genesis chapter 9. I, I, I go back to this all the time. Genesis chapter 9, the story of the flood, Genesis 6 through Genesis chapter 9. Go read this for yourself if you don't believe me. Genesis chapter 9 Noah gets off the boat, plants a vineyard, gets drunk, and naked. Mankind had figured out how to get hammered by the ninth chapter of Genesis. All right? This is real wine. So take it. Take it to the master of ceremonies and watch this. The master of ceremonies is blown away, he's freaked out. Verse 10. A host, he's talking to the bridegroom, a host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. Now listen, this is in the text. You have to be intellectually dishonest to miss this and not agree with this. He says, hey, hey man, I don't know what you got going on, but usually, usually, I know this might be your first party, but usually, man, people start off with the good stuff. You know, the, the Cabernet is 20 years old from France and the Oak, oak Barrel. That, that's the good stuff. And, and then three hours in, we enter the Mad Dog 2020 from Sparky's. Like, that, that's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. You start with the good stuff. When everybody's had a lot of the good stuff, you give them the cheap stuff because they don't care anymore. Am I right, yes or no? Yes, I know I'm right. He said, start off with the good stuff, end with the cheap stuff. Watch this. But you have kept the best until now. What does that mean? What does that mean? Jesus turned the water into wine. You have kept the best until now. It means Jesus only has the best in mind for you. The reason I would tell you to give your life to Jesus is because all he wants for you is the best. The reason I would beg you to keep following Jesus, keep engaging in the process is because all he wants for you is the best. He wants immeasurably more for you than you could ever possibly imagine. Listen to me, I promise you this. Jesus wants more for you than you want for you. It ends like this, and this is what absolutely blows my mind when I study this text. And listen, I'm just going to tell you what we've been told for the past couple years to do. Like we're just going to follow the science, all right? That, that's what we're going to do, so stay with me. I told you at the beginning of this message that Jesus didn't do this miracle so we would have something to fight and argue about 2,000 years later. Jesus did this miracle to show us what he wants to do in us and through us and for us. And so stay with me. All right, stay with me. I said all of that to show you this slide right here. The human body, depending on your age, is made up of about 60 to 70% water. Now, you can Google this, and you can email me. Oh, Ryan, it's this, Is that. We're going to go with this slide, all right? This is the one we, we saw. It's so what we put together. It's so what we came up with. 60 to 70% water. A question. What would it look like if your body is made up between 60 and 70% water, what would it look like for Jesus to take your water and turn it into wine? What would it look like? What would it look like? I'll tell you what it would look like. It would look like peace that this world can't take from you. It would look like hope that this world can't take from you. It would look like joy that this world can't take from you. It would look like abundant life that nothing in this world could ever take from you. Listen to me. If we say yes to Jesus and we allow him to take our water and turn it into something supernatural, he changes us and the miraculous takes place. And so what do you need Jesus to do in you? What is the thing What is the miracle you need? I'm not talking about your brother or your sister or your cousin. I'm not talking about your friend. I'm not talking about your spouse who may or may not be here. I'm talking about you. What is the miracle you need Jesus to do in you? Because again, I'm just crazy enough to be a guy who will take God at his word. And if he said it, I believe it. If he said that I will give you peace that surpasses all understanding, I believe it. If he says, hey, I want you to have joy, I believe it. If he says, hey, I want you to walk in the freedom from the bondage of addiction, I believe it. If he says he wants to do immeasurably more, I believe it. If he says he'll finish what he started, I believe it. And so what is it? If he's the master of miracles, what's the miracle you need to see Jesus do in you? What's the thing you need to see him do in you? What is the thing? Because his word says he's a miracle worker. You just need to say, Lord, if you say it, I believe it. Lord, if you speak it, I'm going to believe it. Like, I'm not going to let the enemy rob me of my faith. Jesus, if you say it, I believe it. Jesus, if you say it, I believe it. Jesus, if you speak it, I receive it. And then when you hear it, do whatever he tells you to do. Let's pray. Jesus, you are absolutely incredible. You are the Almighty we're thankful for you and we're thankful for the miracles. God, we're thankful that you sent your son Jesus just so that he could die for us so that we could even have the miracle of celebrating and, and being with you in eternity. Heads bowed and eyes closed. What, 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 is, what is your thing? What is the thing? And maybe maybe you've got 10 things, maybe you've got three things, maybe you've got a 1,000 things, I don't, I don't know. But Jesus is saying, let's start with one. What's the one thing you need Jesus to do in you? Maybe you need to pray, God, fill me with faith. Fill me with the faith that you can turn my water into wine. Fill me with the faith to believe that in you, Jesus, nothing is impossible. Fill me with faith to believe that peace is is not just some concept for other people, that your peace is for me. God, fill me with the faith that you really really do want me to have joy, to experience real, true, genuine joy. The joy that I've lost. Fill me with a faith to believe in that miracle. What is that thing? Maybe your thing is that you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, You've never asked Jesus to come into your life, and today you know that's your next step. You've been pushing it off, pushing it off, pushing it off. you felt the pull, felt the pull, felt the pull, but you've never done it. You know you need a Savior. You know that you're lost. You know that you're broken. You know you need to be put back together. You know your water needs turned into wine. The only way that can happen is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so if that's you, right where you sit, I would just invite you to pray this prayer. If you want to ask Jesus to come into your life, you just need to say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I need forgiveness. And today I ask you to save me. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross. And I believe you rose from the grave. And I believe you did that to pay for my sin. And so today I ask you to come into my life and save me. Come into my life and rearrange my life. Take over. Come in and be my Lord, be my God, be my King, and be my Savior. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for saving me. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know as Mike leads us in a song singing about miracles, there'll be people in the back corners of our sanctuary who'd love to pray with you, for you, celebrate with you, help you on next steps, get you a study Bible. Maybe you're here and maybe you're struggling with that thing and you need to talk with somebody. You need somebody to pray with you and for you. Use this time for that. Stay after service. Talk. The reason we exist as a church is to, is, is to help each other. We understand that, that in life, we, we can't get through this life without the help of God and the help of others. And so let us help you. God, I want to thank you for changing lives. I want to thank you that you are faithful. I want to thank you that if you said it, we can believe it. God, that we can live on the power of your word. God, fill us. Fill us with faith this week. Fill us with hope this week. Fill us with courage. God, fill us with joy. And thank you that you are the God of immeasurably more. Because we have blessings. We have blessings we don't deserve. As we'll sing about, God, we have have scars. We have hurts, we have pains. Problems, but you hold us steady. And God, you open doors no one can shut. Help us to see them, help us to walk through them. You are the master of the miraculous. Because of that, Jesus, we give you honor and praise and glory in your name, amen.